Philippians chapter 2. If you would turn your attention to verse 12. We'll just read these uh, verses 12 and 13. Have a quick word of prayer. And uh, I'm actually going to open up with an illustration. But verse 12 says, Wherefore, my beloved, as ye have always obeyed, not in my absence, or excuse me, not in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God which worketh in you, both to will and to do of his good pleasure. Father, we do thank you for this day. Lord, we thank you for the opportunity, Lord, and the freedom that we have to gather around here today and to look at your word. And I pray that you'd meet with us in a special way. We pray that you'd use your word to touch hearts, Lord, encourage folks uh, to continue to abide in you. And I pray, Lord, that you would just uh, strengthen our class. In Jesus' name, amen. So Dr. Ironside was speaking before an audience, uh, some type of an assembly, uh, one day when he noticed that there was a man out in the crowd, he was writing on a card. Uh, and the man was uh, writing something, and eventually the man brought that card up uh, where Brother Ironside was lecturing, and he was speaking, and, and the man uh, was Arthur Lewis. He was a, a, an agnostic lecturer, uh, and he proposed the following challenge uh, to Brother Ironside right there in, in the midst of this uh, <clears throat> uh, speech that Brother Ironside was giving. And he proposed a debate, uh, the subject, agnosticism versus Christianity. And Dr. Ironside, the story goes on that he read the card aloud to the audience and then said, I accept your challenge under these conditions. First, you must promise to bring uh, with you to the platform one man who was once an outcast and a slave to sinful habits, but who has heard you or some other infidel lecture on agnosticism and was helped to the point that he cast away his sins, became a new man, and is today a respected member of society. All because of your unbelief. <laughs> Second, you must agree to bring with you one woman who was once lost to all purity and goodness, but who can now testify that agnosticism came to her rescue while deep in sin and implanted in her poor heart a hatred of impurity and a love of holiness, causing her to become chaste and upright, all through a disbelief in the Bible. Now, sir, he continued, if you will agree, I promise to be there with 100 such men and women, once just lost souls who have heard the gospel of the grace of God and have found new life and joy in Jesus Christ our Savior. Will you accept my terms? And the story says that Lewis just walked away in silence. The reality is it doesn't have anything to offer. Christ is the only one that has a changed life to offer, a new life. And so today we're talking about being renewed. And as we abide in Christ, he renews us. Uh, we think of uh, Romans chapter 12 and be uh, by the renewing of our minds and uh, as we continue in the word and those things. And that's the idea of abiding in Christ. He changes us. Uh, we don't remain the same. Uh, our relationship and, and our attachment to the vine causes us to change and to be different. Uh, the primary purpose of your life is not to learn more about yourself or other people. And that really does abound in our society today. Uh, we are really to know God and become like His Son. That's the primary purpose of our life in Christ. Uh, man only functions well when he is in good fellowship with his Creator. That is so simple yet very profound. Uh, 
oftentimes man tries to live a life and be a good person even and, you know, run governments and all those things outside of the Creator, and it's just a mess. God designed this to work a certain way, and if we would just get in line with the Creator, things would go much better uh, for us as individuals and, and definitely for our nation collectively, uh, corporately. And so, uh, are you in line with the Creator this morning? Are you fellowshipping with Him and, and abiding with Him? That's the only way you're really going to function. And so, as we learn more about Him... Your life will begin to change and you will experience spiritual renewal and sanctification. Uh, sanctification is not a term that we hear a lot about today, but really it's just the process of changing and becoming more like Christ, becoming more holy. Uh, and if we're not abiding in the vine, that won't take place. Uh, there's a lot of uh, fake Christianity today. Uh, and a lot of it, and in, in it's sad to say, in independent Baptist churches, it kind of abounds because it's about following a certain handbook or a set of regulations and rules, and if you comply with this, from the outside, everybody just assumes that you're spiritual and you're doing good. And the reality is that's not a good indicator necessarily of what's taking place in your heart, in your life, in your relationship with the Father. Just because you conform to a standard doesn't mean that you're holy. Right. Now, as God changes us and, and we uh, draw closer to him, those outward things will begin to manifest and it will indicate what's taking place. But uh, listen, in, in my experience, in our t- stripe of churches, oftentimes there's a lot of people conforming to a standard and it has nothing to do with their relationship with Christ. And so there's a bunch of false spirituality that is really, I would say, I'll go as far as to say it's rampant in our churches. And there's a false sense of godliness. And so this morning, I challenge you to be careful of that. Don't worry about what other people are thinking of you. Don't worry about what other people are saying. Get close to your God and in His Word and do what God is burdening on your heart. And listen, the Lord will do the rest. He'll bind us together in unity and there will be some common things. But allow God to do that in your life. Um, and, and well, let me not just start rambling here. Let me focus. <clears throat> a lady who said this once, I finally got in touch with my inner self and she just, she's just as confused as I am. <laughs> Getting to know yourself and others better will not bring li- a life change. The key to a renewed life is getting to know the creator, getting to know Christ better. That's the goal. The, you don't need the self-help section at the bookstore. Uh, Cindy and I, I haven't been to a bookstore in I don't know how long. There's not a lot here. But we were looking for a journal yesterday, and I ended up at BAM. And I walked in the door, and I was like, man, there's a million books in here. But, so, but books a million, BAM. Acts 17.28, for in him we live and move and have our being. As certain also of your own poets have said, for we are also his offspring. Really, in essence, Paul here is saying that uh, his whole life was in Christ. When we experience real fellowship with God, all the other relationships in life will be renewed. If you've got problems in your family, whether it's with your spouse or, or, or your children, or whatever the relationship is at work, if you would just 
renew your relationship and, and, and solidify your relationship with Christ, all those other things will come together. Now, I'm not saying they will all be sunshine and butterflies. There will be challenging difficulties, but the Lord will help you through that. He'll, the Holy Spirit will help you uh, with what to say and what not to say. Because sometimes the best thing to do is not say anything at all in those relationships. But listen, if I'm telling you this morning, if you would focus on your relationship with Christ, everything else will fall in place. Maybe not how you thought it would or how you intended it to be, but God will in time take care of that thing. But so oftentimes we switch gears and what happens? We put a relationship with our spouse above Christ. We put our children above Christ. We focus on our jobs and our careers and, and those things that are, are taking place there above our families and, and, and above serving the Lord. And our family and our walk with God gets in disarray. But if we would put Christ first, all those things will fall in place because they'll be in the right order. Because again, he created this. He designed this. And, and so just make sure you're doing it God's way. So, so far in these lessons, we have uh, primarily examined what it means to abide in Christ and continuing in that relationship with Him uh, and, and how that grows us. Uh, but we're going to kind of shift a little bit here in this study and, and uh, we'll look specifically at what Christ desires to do and through our lives as we abide in Him. So the purpose of us abiding in Him and Him changing us. And, and uh, so it, we're going to have a desire for renewal. Spiritual renewal doesn't come naturally. Uh, it's not a natural thing. We often fight our flesh in those things that are displeasing to God. Uh, those things that I would, I do not. And you, know, you guys are familiar with Romans there and the Apostle Paul and the struggles that we often face uh, in our lives. Um, <clears throat> where will this desire to know God come from? We get it from God. Uh, God gives us that desire. Uh, he creates a will to know Him. Uh, for it is God which worketh in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. God places within each of his children a desire to know him. If I have a desire to know God, it's because he's working in me. Uh, he's doing that work. If you know Christ, then somewhere within you, if you're in Christ today, somewhere within you, God has placed the desire to know him. And I would say to know him at a greater level than you currently do. Far more than just understanding that you're a sinner and you need a Savior and you've trusted Him. That's really just the beginning. Romans seven eighteen. For I know that in me, that is in my flesh, dwelleth no good thing. For the will is present with me, but how to perform that which is good I find not. It's not the natural thing to desire this renewal from God or this relationship with Him as He begins renewing us as we're abiding with Him. And so Paul is saying that he has a will and desire to do right, but his flesh hinders him from performing that which is good. And we all face that. We all have this flesh that holds us back and slows us down and, and prevents us from doing those things that we might want to do. I know I do. Uh, I, it's a struggle sometimes. You know, you, you're sitting there and you're you're trying to focus on something and your mind begins to wander and you're thinking about things that you ought not think about and you're like, Lord, help me. I need to focus on these things that are honoring to you. Right. And if you're not intentional about it, the natural thing, it's just going to go out the window. Mm. Things are going to go sour and they're going to go sour fast and it's going to be a bad deal. So spiritual renewal is a work of God from inside out. Again, it's inside out. 
Don't begin conforming the outward appearance just so you fit in. Now, I'll just leave it at that. I'm not saying those things are bad necessarily all the time, but because uh, some things do need to be dealt with. But I think by the time you realize they need to be dealt with, God's already worked inside, so it's, it's already there. But, but what, I, what I want you to really understand this morning is allow God to work in you. And he will perform the outward things. Uh, it's not about impressing or trying to conform to what anyone else. Because listen, I'm telling you, I've experienced this in my Christian life. Oftentimes we go around with these assumptions that there's certain expectations from other people. And a lot of times there's no expectation there. There's nobody judging you. There's nobody. But sometimes the devil can work. And so what happens is we conform to this unknown, assumed or perceived standard that's there that we just kind of made up. And then our conscience is soothed, but God hasn't done the work in our heart that he intends to do. And so focus on honoring God with your life, with, with, with every aspect of your life, your thought life, your, uh, your attire. And that's really not the focus of this, this message, the specifics of those things. Just allow God to do it. And listen, he will do it. Because he's created that desire for you to seek him. And he's not going to create a desire within you that he's not ready to satisfy. Don't satisfy it falsely with other things. The Lord hath appeared of old unto me, saying, Yea, I have loved thee with an everlasting love. Therefore, with loving kindness have I drawn thee. Jeremiah 32.3 The Lord is creating this desire, and he's drawing us into a greater relationship with him. Uh, we need to understand that. When we were saved, God called us unto himself and gave us a desire to know him. He draws us, but he leaves the choice of whether to respond or not. God is drawing. God is doing his part, but he's not forcing it on us. He's allowing us to make that decision uh, to respond or not. A French proverb says this, a good meal ought to begin with hunger. I know if I go shopping and I'm hungry, now Cindy usually doesn't let me go shopping because I'm, apparently I'm annoying when I'm with her. But, um, but if I'm with her when she's shopping and I'm hungry, everything that I see is going in the cart. Because I'm hungry. Everything looks good. Listen, God's created a hunger within us to desire him and a greater relationship with him and a renewal with him. Listen, but if you're feasting on the things of this world and the things of the devil and your appetite isn't there, it's going to be difficult to draw nigh to God because you're filling that void with something that uh, is not going to be satisfying in the end. We, we did some work over at the mission house yesterday. The, the young adults class was over there and I bought donuts. Far more donuts than we needed. So what happens? You know, there's extra donuts. And people need to eat donuts. So I had a second donut, and after I ate that thing, I just was like, ugh. That was a terrible decision. It wasn't satisfying. Just that carb overload, sugary stuff, it wasn't good. It, it was something to consume, but it wasn't what I needed, and it wasn't going to sustain me long term. And so be careful what you're ingesting, uh, spiritually speaking. 
Have you noticed everything tastes good when your stomach is empty? Be careful. Be careful. And sometimes the thing that you need doesn't always taste good. Last night I got home and had some broccoli. (laughs) Cindy had some leftover uh, vegetables from the ladies' meeting, and, and I was munching on those things, and and I offered some broccoli to Carter. Carter, Carter. He was not interested. I don't know why. <laughs> but oftentimes the thing that we, we truly need is not necessarily what's enjoyable at the time. Uh, but the reality is God is so good and he's so gracious. He often does give us what we need and it's so pleasant. And it's encouraging. It's not always bad. Uh, so don't get discouraged. But sometimes we do need a punch in the gut. Because we get out of line, uh, and we, and we need that chastisement or, or those corrections from the Lord. Listen, as Christians, we must empty our hearts of any fleshly desires, and we must hunger to know Him. We got to keep those things in. The Apostle Paul says he brings his body into subjection. Sometimes we just have to tell ourselves no. A little self denial is good for us. Oftentimes, when it comes to fleshly things, for certain. Listen, He will satisfy our need every time. He won't leave you hungry. He won't let you down. But oftentimes we feel like we're let down or we're spiritually hungry because we haven't prepared ourselves to receive what He has for us. Uh, He wants to renew us. He's given us a desire to have that. But we need to be prepared uh, to receive it. Spiritual renewal and effective worship begin with a hunger and a desire for God and His Word. You have to have that desire. And if you're filling your life with other junk, it's not going to be there. Oftentimes, uh, anyway, not only does God give us a will, but Philippians 2.13 says he, he will do of his good pleasure. God gives us the desire to know him, and then he accomplishes his will through our lives. He will accomplish it. Uh, we just need to allow him. Here's a good verse. Galatians 5, 16 and 17, This I say, then walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. For the flesh lusteth against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary the one to the other, so that ye cannot do the things that ye would. The, the passage here obviously illustrates this war that's taking place in us. And listen, the Holy Spirit gives us the desire to know God and to attend church and, and even to witness to others. Uh, it's there. Uh, to witness to the lost folks that we know, the question is, will I follow God? Or will I follow my flesh and allow it to control me? We do have to make a choice. Will I yield to the Holy Spirit working in my life? Or will I resist it and take of the things of the flesh? For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. The Spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit, that we are the children of God. We can follow God's will. God's Holy Spirit gives us the will to do right and to become like Christ. That desire is there. He desires to bring us to the spiritual maturity. Uh, The flesh wants to bring us back to the old friends, the wrong music, and those addictive habits that we had. Every time, the flesh wants to do that. But God says that He has a will for our lives and that his desire for us is conform to the image of his son. So what are you yielding to today? Are you yielding to those fleshly desires? 
Or are you yielding to the Spirit? I guarantee you this morning the Spirit spoke to you. If you're in Christ, the Spirit this week spoke to you and said, Hey, why don't we do this? Hey, make sure you read your Bible. Uh, have you spent time in prayer? And on the contrary, your flesh had said, hey, let's do this. This would feel good. But what did you choose to yield to? Did you choose spiritual things and those things that God in his spirit and his love, and listen, it's all for your good, encourage you to do? Or did you give in to the easy pleasing of Be careful. Many times you can recognize a Christian by their lifestyle. <clears throat> you can tell that the fellowship, uh, that he is fellowshipping with the Holy Spirit, and you can tell that God is working in their lives. And uh, God did not save us so that we could go back to our sinful habits. He saved us so that we could follow the Spirit's leading in our everyday lives. In our everyday lives, not on Sundays. God wants us every day of the week. We are good in our, in our humanity, in our, in our human nature to compartmentalize our lives. We conduct ourselves and we live in such a way when we're at church on Sunday and we're around other believers and those folks and then uh, when we leave this place and we go home or we go to work or we have a completely different demeanor and mindset and attitude. And those people around us, they might not have a clue that we're even Christians. They might not even know we're going to church. Does Christ have your everyday life? Are you yielding to him every day and submitting your will to his? And, or are you letting the flesh reign? He wants your everyday life. If you have never felt a desire to grow in godliness, I think it's a good opportunity for you to examine if you're really a child of God. If you don't have that desire, and I'm not trying to get anybody to doubt anything here this morning, but God has put that desire in there. And so just, and I'll leave it at that, just examine yourselves. Those who are truly the children of God will hunger and desire to know Him more deeply. Now, sometimes we might not know how. We might, we, that's why we have church, and that's why we have the brethren to encourage and to exhort us and to strengthen us uh, to do those things that, that we ought to do. And again, if you would follow God's example of how we ought to live, it will be taken care of. You will be taught and instructed and trained in the Word of God through the local church. Because uh, the reality is we're all at different levels of growth. And so we do need uh, the fellowship of the saints, and that's a good thing. But uh, you will have a desire, even if you don't always know specifically how to execute it. Uh, and again, I think I've sold this example, or sold this, told this example so many times that there were so many times in my young Christian life that I was reading the scriptures and I was just like, Lord, I don't know, I'm not sure how to make application of this. I'm not sure what you're trying to teach me through your word. But He kept bringing me to these certain passages. And then I would go to church and the preacher would preach on it. And the Holy Spirit would go, man, that's for you. That's exactly what I've been trying to teach you. That's why it's so important we do it God's way. Pastor tells us about the five to thrive. You can't leave any of those out and expect things to go well. You're not going to thrive. Uh, there will be a failure to thrive. You have to do it God's way or it won't work. Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled.
He gave you a desire, and He intends to satisfy it. He intends to fill you. But are you yielding, and are you reaching out uh, in the way that He's directed us to do? The Samaritan woman in John 4 is a good example of this truth. She was married several times, and, and the Lord revealed to her at that point that uh, she was living with a man that wasn't her husband. And what was she doing? She was bouncing around trying to find some happiness, trying to find some security, trying to find all these things. She just wasn't filled. She wasn't satisfied. She was thirsting. Uh, she was hungry, you would say. And, uh, but John 4.14, But whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst, but the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well springing up into everlasting life. Listen, we'll never be satisfied outside of Christ. Though we may try, though we may seek the things of this world and, and seek those things that our flesh desires, but until you find Christ, and as a Christian, listen, I think Christians are some of the most miserable people around. And when I say Christians that are miserable, I'm saying Christians that aren't abiding. Because you don't fit in in the world. Because you have the Holy Spirit and God's indwelling you and God's pulling you saying, He's drawing you to Himself saying, I want to have a relationship with you. You ought not be doing those things. And, and consequently, spiritually, and you're just miserable so you don't fit in. And when you come to church, you're uncomfortable because there's conviction. Because God's pricking your heart to get right with Him. And He's burdening you and it's just you don't fit in here because you're not walking with God like you ought to, and there's other saints that are, and that brings conviction. Have you ever been, there's been few people in my life, but I can think of two right now. When I'm in their presence, I just feel like they're spiritual giants. Like they are a hold of God like I, I want to. And so when you're not walking and abiding with Christ as you ought to, that circumstance at church might be uncomfortable. And it needs to be uncomfortable so you can fix it. That wouldn't make sense. You, you don't want to just come here and, and be mediocre and be okay and just get your ears tickled and go out into the world and not being strengthened and encouraged to walk with God. That would be a failure of the local church. That's not why we exist. <clears throat> now, that doesn't mean we need to be unkind to other people that are struggling. Don't, don't misunderstand that. But listen, the day the Samaritan woman believed on Jesus Christ, she experienced restoration and spiritual renewal. All those struggles she had in her life and all those things that she was searching for and all those terrible things that were taking place, all of a sudden she found that she didn't even know she was seeking for. He filled her up and satisfied her thirst spiritually and she realized, wow. And what'd she do? She went back and told other people. God's given us a desire to know him more. He's going to fill that desire if we would allow him. Are you allowing him to do that this morning? Only when we follow him will we be able to be like Christ and experience the real joy. You'll be, listen, there, as I said, some of the Christians I know are the most miserable people because they're not walking with God like they ought to. They're checking some boxes and they've conformed to an outward level of apparent spirituality, but the reality is inside they're miserable because they don't truly walk with the Lord. 
Seek the Lord and His strength. Seek His face evermore. Someone who has a God-given desire for renewal will seek spiritual renewal through the Holy Spirit. But if from thence thou shalt seek the Lord thy God, thou shalt find Him. If thou seek Him with all thy heart and with all thy soul. Do you seek Him with determination? Spiritual growth first requires diligent study and determination. We can't be apathetic in this area. We need to be diligent. We're exhorted over and over in the Bible not to be lazy. We're, to, we're exhorted to study. The, the Christians in Berea were more noble. They were noted as being more noble because they went in and, and sought the Scriptures. They didn't just come to church and let somebody get up and, and speak and lecture and preach and spit and holler and, and feel filled. They said, wait a second, that guy's saying some stuff that I don't know if, is that in the Bible? And they went back to the scriptures and they found it for themselves and they were able to learn and they were more noble. Listen, we ought to be determined and diligent in our seeking after him as Christians. But oftentimes we're more focused on seeking after career advancement, the pleasures that the world has to offer. No doubt we live in the age of more than ever before the lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God. We have more things at our advantage and the ability to travel, uh, to experience those things at, at a greater level than any other period of society. And it shows. Uh, there's definitely a lack of, of seeking God and it. It's crept into our churches. What's the priority in this world? In this life. Do you want God. And all that he has to offer. In eternal life. And in eternity. Or do you want to experience the joys. That this world has to offer. For a short season. I think when we get to the end of our life. Or if. If the Lord wills. The, the trump sounds. And he comes to catch us away. When we get to the end of this day and we haven't done all that we can to put God first in our lives, I think we're going to be very remiss and we're going to have a lot of regrets and wish we would have lived our lives differently. Now that doesn't mean everybody needs to surrender and go to the mission field and leave tomorrow. But what I'm telling you this morning is, is God the first priority in your life? And if that is not the case, you will have many a regret at the judgment seat of Christ. And that's one of the things that burdened my heart to the point where, Lord, I, I'm getting out of the Air Force. I don't know what I'm going to do with myself. And he just continued to work in my life, and he's brought me to where, you know what? If the Lord allows you to do this full time, do it. <laughs> and so here I am. There's more to that story, but listen, I'm, what I'm telling you, and you don't have to go into the ministry. Don't. Again, I don't want to try to overemphasize that importance. But it's God number one. We say that. But is it true? Is it evident in our finances? Is it evident in our time? In how we spend ourselves? Is it truly evident? If somebody were to audit your life, would they come to the conclusion that God, that your relationship with Christ 
is the most important thing in your life? Or would they say, well, according to their bank account, I, wouldn't, I, I can't see that. I don't see that there. On the way to church, I got a, a notice from my iPhone. It said my screen time was down, I think, 14% or something like that. I don't know what that means, but it was down, so I'm going to take it. It was a good thing. But when we get at the end of our life and, and they examine our screen time, what's our screen time been? Has it been because we've been studying and reading an electronic Bible? Or is it because we're wasting it on nothing? You can watch YouTube for hours. I've just jumped. Don't get me wrong. When I need to work on my truck, YouTube's one of the first things I look at. I'm not saying it's bad and, and it's sinful to do those things, but what's your priority? You should audit your own life. And say, what have I been in spending my time and my money and all my efforts and energy in? Uh, is Christ first in my life? I'm, are you... Serving him wholly. Matthew 6.24, no man can serve two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. There's no middle road. It's not, you know what, I'll give God Sundays. And because I'm a real good guy, I'll even come on Wednesday night. But the rest of the week is mine. I'm going to do what I want with it. That's not how this works. God wants 24-7. He wants all of it. This is the reason Paul is a great example in Scripture. Philippians 3.10, That I may know Him, and the power of His resurrection, and the fellowship of His sufferings, being made conformable unto His death. Are you determined to seek Him? Or are you just lackadaisical, content with mediocrity, content with soothing your conscience by being faithful to a congregation of people? Because that's not what this is about. This is about you having a relationship with God Almighty and walking with Him and fellowship with with Him and and Him changing you and conforming you uh, to be more like His Son, Christ. We must seek Him with devotion We lack discipline in our Christian life because we really lack an affection for the things of God. And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart and with all thy soul and with all thy might. The reason we don't spend time with God's word is not a busy schedule or a lack of organization. It's because we do not love the God of the word. If we loved him, we would be in his word trying to know more and more about him. I've found that more and more true the longer I've been married. The more I get to know Cindy, the more I I can respond and and I can love her in a greater way because I understand her better. Even when she snores next to me, I still love her. So don't blame your busy schedule or your lack of organization for not being in God's Word. When Cindy and I were young and we were in a church, we were in a church plant down in Nevada and Las Vegas, stationed in Ellis. Uh, the pastor's wife, Cindy, was, was she, I think she just had had Colin, or excuse me, Caleb. He's our firstborn, I think. Yeah, Caleb. And so she was adjusting to a new baby, uh, first time uh, child, mother, whatever I'm trying to say here. 
Uh, so our life was changing a lot at that point, right? I, I've never been a dad. She had never been a mom. And, and uh, it was a church plant. Things were busy. Uh, There's a lot going on, a lot of door knocking and a, and a lot of laboring to, uh, to do those things. And the pastor looked at her, the pastor's wife looked at her one day and said, we do the things that we want to do. Because she was struggling with, with time and, and things. And Cindy was extremely uh, offended. She's like, she doesn't understand. And now, let me back up. The pastor's wife had four kids and had been through that stage in life. And so she had some wisdom. She understood, you know, she understood the truth of you do what you want to do. And so all I'm telling you this morning is we do what we want to do. You make a decision not to be in his word. You make a decision not to pray. You make a decision to lay out a church. You make a decision to do. The flip side of that is you make a decision to do those things. Don't blame it on your schedule. We can always fit these things in. Everyone has the same amount of time, yet some people are investing more in this area than others. Are you seeking him with determination and devotion? Let's pray. Father, we do thank you for this day. Thank you, Lord, for your word. I pray that you would help us. Lord, to awake out of our sleep, Lord, and that we would be serious about the things of God. Lord, help us to honor you with our lives, and we pray that you do a work in our hearts, and that you would renew us and draw us nearer to Christ and conform us to your image as we dedicate our lives to you. We trust you in all of it, and we pray, Lord, that you would just honor now uh, the service to follow, Lord, that you would meet with us. Lord, we pray that you would be glorified in all of it. Be with our pastor, Lord, fill him with your spirit. Lord, strengthen him that he might preach the word in a way that would be honoring to you, Lord, and that would speak to hearts. And I pray, Lord, that you would just touch each and every heart here today, that each one that needs encouraged would be strengthened and, and Lord, encouraged to carry on, Lord, and those that might need challenged or convicted, Lord, would be convicted to the point that they would turn uh, to you, Lord, and make that relationship right. And Father, if there is a lost soul here today that gathers with us, we pray, Lord, that you'd work in their heart. Pray that they would come to know Christ before they leave this place today. And now, Lord, we do pray that you would just strengthen the believers that we might do the work for you in our community. We thank you for all you do. In Jesus' name, amen.